Good morning, good morning once again, good morning. I hope you guys are all ready for today's sermon. But before we even start, do let me know where are you tuning in from? And also let me know what have you had this morning? Have you had your breakfast? Are you gonna have your breakfast after the sermon? Are you ready to rock and roll? Do you have your Bibles with you? Do let me know, do let us know rather in the comment section what you have. Do you have your breakfast ready? What have you had for cereal? For me, anyone that knows me, you know that I love warm cereal, whether that is something like crunchy nut or something nice and tasty with nice toast and something but do let us know in the comment section what you are having for breakfast and also where are you tuned in from are you in london south london north london west london or are you on the outskirts the essex the kents the dartford or maybe you're tuned in internationally do let us know where you are tuned in from as we would love to know that we'll definitely love to know that okay before i go into today's sermon i wanted just to quickly pray so if you could just join me as we just tuned in just to quickly pray of what the Lord has in store for us today. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you this morning, oh God. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for the word that is about to go forth. And Lord, I just pray in the mighty name of Jesus, oh God, that our eyes will be open to see not only in the physical, but what you have for us in the spiritual. Our hearts will be open to receive your word and our hands and our feet will be ready to take action on the word in which we receive for your glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, and amen. If you have your Bibles ready, as per usual, I'm reading from the New King James Version. So if you can turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 12 through to 21. 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 12 through to 21. And it goes as follows. If you're there with me, say I. Let us know if you're there with me. And you're out there, say I. Once again, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12 through to 21. Okay, you ready? Cool. And as follows, it says, For we do not condemn ourselves again to you, but we give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in the appearance and not in heart. Verse 13. For if we, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. Verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Verse 16. Therefore, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have, be have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And lastly, verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Blessed be the word of the Lord. 
Today's sermon is brought to you entitled, The Great Exchange. The Great Exchange. For those of you that when you go back to do further study of this, you'll see that there is a, a key word that kind of rings true in this. And with the word there, and we see in verse 18, and the word that is reconciled, in verse 18 it says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And if you go and do the greater study of this, you'll realize that the Greek word for reconcile or reconciled is um, sorry, katalasso. And katalasso means to exchange. It, it, it means, it, um, it's an old word for even exchanging a coin or an exchange of money or exchange of, of a product or a thing. And when it comes to that, we begin to see that this word katalasso in here, that there is an exchange. There is an exchange for our sinful nature. There is an exchange where God has redeemed us. But why has God redeemed and reconciled us? Why has there been an exchange here? What is it so important for God to want us to be redeemed and reconciled back to him so that he can be in alignment with him? Why is that important for us as believers, as Christians and as people of God? It's important because when we begin to look at the word of God, we're seeing something that is very, very important. We live in a time and in an age where many people believe that everybody deserves heaven. We live in a time and in an age where everybody, to some degree, that are believers and some people that might not necessarily be believers of the Christian faith, but believe in a deity or a higher power or a higher being, believe that they are a good person. I would like to ask you today, and let me know in the comment section, do you believe you are a good person? Do you believe that you deserve God's, God's mercy and justice? Do you believe that you are better than everybody else? in the rest of this world? Do you believe that maybe you are the still minority of people that do good, but you're, you're not the extremes as the world may call it for those that maybe murder or kill or rob or disrespect some of the things that we're seeing in our nation? Do you believe? And I remember growing up believing in myself that, yeah, I'm a good person. And as many of us, for my friends and the like, we sometimes use phrases like, yeah, I like that brother, that friend of mine, yeah, he's got a good heart, he's a good-hearted one. But the word of God gives us, on the contrary, he says the heart is heavily wicked. So then where do we stand if the word of God is telling us one thing, but many of us in today's world, we, we see where we are and we're like, you know what, I'm not doing the extreme things. I'm not doing that and I'm not doing this. I'm here, so I'm sure I'm good enough. I'm sure that I'm worthy enough. I'm sure that I'm in right standing with God. And a few things that came to mind upon deeper study about understanding sin God and his holiness and what it means to be reconciled and redeemed back to him. I remember hearing an example of Jesus and Hitler. It goes as follows that if we had the spectrum of Jesus on one side being sinless, being holy and being a good teacher and a good man as some people may call him or know him to be. And we had Hitler on the other extreme that exterminated, gassed and killed innocent people where would you be on the spectrum? Would you be closer to Jesus if you started in zero? Or would you be closer to maybe Hitler? When I started thinking about that, I started counting a man that 
was sinful and committed sinful acts to one that was sinless. And even if I had committed just one sin in my life, I'm still closer to Hitler. That made me realize that God's level of justice, love and holiness is very different from what we're seeing in our common culture today where many people believe that, yes, I'm in good standing, I'm in right standing with God, but many of us have forgotten the great exchange. The difference between the Christian walk from many other religious walks and other religious faiths is that other various religions may try and find a way to be in God's good books. But we understand from the Christian worldview, we have a good God that has come down to man to redeem man back to him. Let me put it for you this way. At times, many of us have believed that when we die and we go to heaven, we can knock on God's door. Yeah, God, let me in. Listen, it's home time. I'm back home. And we see many people that at times, and as much as this might be an uncomfortable way to say it, we hear many people say, rest in peace. But the real question is that, have they made peace with their true creator and the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Otherwise, we may be knocking on God's door, forgetting that it's God that owns the door. It's God that owns the house. There is no key that is placed in our hand, but it is someone on the other side that allows us to come home and let us in. But the question is that, what is the criteria to be let in? Because according to my Bible, the criteria is to be sinless. The criteria is to be holy. The criteria is to be pure. And the criteria is to be perfect. But every single one of us has broken such laws. Every single one of us, if we were to be honest with ourselves, has fallen into sin or has lived a life of sin or even at times has found ourselves in sinful seasons where we are aiming to try and get right by God. But what happens? We see that there needs to be a great exchange. In order for you to purchase something in this world, sometimes we may need something of monetary value. And in not having something of monetary value, we exchange this in order to get what needs to be obtained. So then how do we have the exchange of finding ourselves in right standing with God? I've come to understand and truly believe the only way we could be in right standing with God is if we are made righteous and the only way we can really be righteous if we are in right standing with Christ. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 to 14. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is the man who hangs on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. How are we redeemed? We are redeemed when we're in right standing with Christ. How many of you guys have watched movies? where they're like, they've kidnapped a family member or a friend or someone that is a close relative and they said, hey, we've got them and we're going to hold them at ransom, but if you want them back, you're going to have to pay a price. See, he was our ransom. Christ was the one that redeemed us. He was the one that restored us and he's the one that we ultimately find our rest. And I truly believe that when we come to a place of turning from our sin and to a place of repentance, then we could truly find rest. I'll give it to you another way. Growing up in South East London, we had buses that you can get up on. And when you get the buses that you can get up on, you don't really have to go through the front. You can go through the middle or the back end of the bus because all the doors open at the same time. But sometimes what used to worry for many of you that was like me during my old crazy youth is that you're always worried when that ticket inspector is going to come on that bus. 
And when that ticket inspector comes on that bus, says, tickets, please. Tickets, please. And you're like, oh. And sometimes if you've been like me, I'm like, oh, my ticket, I've lost it. He says, sir, you need to show me your ticket. If you're not going to show me your ticket, you're going to get fined. And I'm like, yeah, but, and I'm giving excuses after excuses after excuses. And if I don't produce a ticket, I'm going to get a fine. And that fine needs to be paid for. You see, I've crossed the boundaries, I've crossed the mark, and I haven't followed protocol of what I need in order before I get on that bus. And that happens to us in our walk, in our lives, if we do not truly live in a state of righteousness, if we do not live upright, and mainly if we are not redeemed and reconciled by Christ, there is a price tag on our head. And guess what? When there is a price tag on your head, it needs to be paid for. Who's going to pay for that? Some of you might be asking. How is it going to be paid for? Some of us have looked on the accounts of our sinful deeds and like, how, how, how is this sin going to be paid for? It's, it's so high. If we're to account for our sin, how are we going to pay for it? Even if we've done most of our life to be in the best, even if, for, for example, you might be 50-odd and you've lived a sinful life and you think you've got 50 more years, how would you be able to pay for such a crime? If in the standards by a holy God, you cannot stand. I've come to the belief that in order for us to be, un, to, for us to be reconciled and redeemed, we must be in right standing with God because if we are not in right standing with God. How can we enter his house in which we call heaven? Because it doesn't belong to us and we do not hold the keys. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5 to 6 is a scripture that I love. And during the Easter period, which is soon upon us, I always meditate and reflect on this. And I would advise you guys to go through the whole of Isaiah 53 in its entirety. But I'm going to read from verses 5 through to 6. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes... We are healed. All like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The penalty of me being on that bus, Christ paid. The penalty of my past sin, Christ paid. By his stripes, I am healed. The great exchange. I've always said that there is no success without sacrifice and there is no reward without calculated risk. You see, Christ is the one that became the sacrifice so that we can be redeemed and be in right standing with the Father. Christ is the one that was successful, but he was the sacrifice in order for us to have that level of what we call a success in being in right standing with the Father. Christ is the one that in order for us to get the reward, a calculated risk and sacrifice had to be made and he paid that with not only his blood, but with his life. The great exchange. The great exchange. Many of us have found ourselves either in relationships or friendships where we're like, you know how much I've done for that person? Do you know how much I've done for that person for us to be let down? If you've ever been let down, even in a relationship or in a friendship, do let me know in the chat box. Do let me know. Because I have. And straight away, sometimes that pain and that disdain makes you feel like, how could they do that to me? Do you know how much I've done for them? But sometimes the real question is, do you know how much Christ has done for you? Do you know how much he's done for you that sometimes we even forget his goodness, his grace, and the power of his mercy 
that he reconciles us back to him, but we still turn our back on him. We still spit in his face with our deeds and our lifestyle. We still mock him with a lack of faith, forgetting that he has forgiven us. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. But we must understand that the great exchange came at a price. And yes, grace is free, but grace is not cheap. Grace is free, but grace still comes at a cost. And that cost was paid with his life. But I want you to understand here, when we talk about the great exchange, I need you to remember a few things. And the first thing I want you to understand is this. You are chosen. Why did that Jesus die for me? Because you're chosen. You're chosen. You're precious in the sight of the King of Kings. You are loved, you are cared for, and you are truly, truly considered. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter um, 2, verses 9. It goes as follows. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And if Christ has called you, it is important to know your calling and act accordingly. If Christ has called you, it's important to know that a price has been paid and you've been redeemed and you sitting there is not doing any good, not only for your, your sanity, but also your salvation. I remember seeing an image of a donkey. And what happened with that image on the donkey, it was tied to a chair. And the donkey didn't move. The donkey didn't move. It's tied to a chair. Because sometimes our old lifestyles and way of life make us feel condemned. And that's what the enemy does. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So I want to remind you, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've seen, understand that a great exchange has taken place for your life, for your soul, as well as your sanity in order for you to be successful, but not successful uh, in the worldly sense, but successful in knowing that the Savior has saved you. And whoever the Son sets free is truly free indeed. The next point, you are adopted by God. Adopted by God. We see many times people talk about, I'm a child of God, I'm a child of God, I'm a child of God, yeah, I'm a child of God, but I always take a step back. Because even non-believers call themselves children of God, but... I truly have seen that there is something in the, really, really important here when we talk about being children of God. Yes, we may be God's creation, but the first question before we ask ourselves, are we children of God? Are we adopted by God? Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 with me. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasures of his will, we are reconciled. We are adopted. We are restored and put in right standing with the King of Kings. And it's up until we are adopted, we may be estranged. We're still lost at sea. We are still sheep that have gone our own way, lost in the wilderness of this world. And the Father has now chosen to adopt us. He's left the 99 and he's come after the one. You are the one. You are the one that is chosen. You are the one that is adopted. And when you are adopted, he wants to now cultivate you and remind you that you are loved. He wants to remind you of your true essence and your true purpose in this world to know Christ and make Christ known. John chapter 1 verse 12 goes and it tells us, it says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. 
So in order for us to become children of God, we must first receive him. But if we haven't received him, I'll let you ask and answer the question, are you a child of God if you haven't received the one that has redeemed and reconciled you? Are you truly a child of God? Or you may be merely God's creation. Because it says, to many that have received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to who believe in his name. Do you believe in his name? Do you believe in the great exchange? Or do you believe you're only a part exchange? John chapter 1 verse 12. Sorry, not John chapter 1 verse 12. The next part I want you to understand is, apart from understanding that you are adopted and you are chosen, you need to understand there is also something that is really, really important for us in this work, walk with Christ. You're like, but why did God adopt me? Why did God choose me? Why the great exchange? Because we need to be aware of the great exchange because what the enemy wants you to understand is this. The enemy might not make you be able to deny Christ, but he might make you become derailed. He might make you become delusional. And he might make you deny the power that Christ has to redeem you. He might make you believe in your sin more than what the work of Christ has done for you. And you must remember Romans 5 verse 20 that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. But the enemy wants you to remember your sinful past. He wants you to remember your flaws. He wants you to remember your mistakes. And he wants you to remember your failings, but and he wants you to remember that you have no father. But I want you to remember today that you have a heavenly father who sent his son into the world to die for you, to redeem you, to save you, and restore you back to him. So why did he do all of this? Why the great exchange? The great exchange took place because of one key word, love. Love. Jesus loves you. God the Father loves you. The Holy Spirit loves you. We see in that verse time and time again from John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only one and begotten son, not created son, begotten son, full in essence with him, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So therefore, by default, nobody's going to heaven. Therefore, by default, nobody's heaven bound. Therefore, by default, we are all on a train that is about to crash. We are all in a plane that is about to fall. We are all on a bungee jump where the rope is already broken. Why? Because we are born into this sinful flesh, needing to be redeemed and reconciled, needing to be restored back to him. Catalasso, once again, an exchange needs to be made. Like I said, they've kidnapped you. Yep, this is the ransom, this is the price. An exchange needs to be made. And I'll never forget a movie who I love, and I won't go into the title of the movie, but many of you guys have probably watched it with me, Man on Fire. You guys will be like, Man on Fire? Like, yeah, Man on Fire is a, a movie that I, I love, I found powerful. And why? Because the man that was there to protect, protect this young lady 
this young girl as being a, be, be, being a security guard or being an agent who was trained in this field, but he had such compassion and love for this young lady. But the damage that he caused in order to protect this young lady, unfortunately, they caught the young girl and they said, so we, need, we, want, we want you. An exchange had to be made. In order for this young lady's life to be saved, you've done so much damage, we, we want you. You see, when I look at that, a plan and a plot has been put in place, but we forget that the enemy's like, I want you. I want you because I can never find my way back home into heaven. I want you. Christ says, no, but a price needs to be paid. A great exchange needs to be paid. And that great exchange came in the form of God the Son to redeem us. First John chapter 4, verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. You really think you love when people say, oh, I love, I find it interesting when people on social media say, oh, I love all my fans and my followers. I'm like, really? Really? Like the way Christ loved them. Like, do you love them in word because they follow you or do you love them because they may reject you, but you still love them? Because that's the only person that I know that accomplished that was Christ. That even when they spat in his face, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The great exchange. The great exchange. The great exchange. But I want you to understand in order for you to find your place and in right standing with God, you need to also understand where are you abiding in and what are you abiding by. Turn with me to John chapter 15 and I'm going to read parts of verse 4 through to 11. It says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me he can do nothing. And if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they are gathered and they, and, they, and they gather them and they throw them into the fire where they will be burned. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what, sorry, you ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Understand that, remember, God wants to grant us our heart's desires, but our heart's desires must be aligned with the person that we abide in. Verse 8. By this my Father is glorified, that you will bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Verse 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that my joy may be full. I share this because the great exchange is not only for us to make heaven a home, but, us, but also for us to bring heaven onto this earth. When we bring his kingdom into this earth, there is a greater peace, there is a greater power, there is a greater purpose, and there is also a greater joy, as he says in that last verse. His joy may remain in us and it will be full. But I want to share a caveat with that with you. That in order for us to really abide in him, in order for us to really make good use of his power, of his grace, of his saving mercy that he wants to live and dwell within us, we must stay connected to Christ. We must stay connected in various seasons. Pastor Kay shared with us last week that you can find yourself in various seasons, but even in those seasons that you might find yourself in, understand that your season should not define you. 
And sometimes we will find ourselves in various seasons. And when we find ourselves in those seasons, it's very easy to try and disconnect from the vine. But if we disconnect from the vine, we may look like this. I don't know if you've ever, ever been in a place where you've charged your phone. And upon charging your phone, you've literally just kind of left it on charge and, and it's plugged in and, and this is plugged to the source. And as that's plugged to the source, something interesting happens. Tell me if this has ever happened to you in the chat box where you've charged your phone. But when you charge your phone, if you disconnect it straight away from the cable to the phone, for those that have an iPhone, my wonderful iPhone users, please, Android, please repent and come back to your first love, the iPhone. But when you disconnect from this, the, the electric sign on the iPhone shows that it's disconnected. But tell me if this has ever happened to you in the chat box. When you've disconnected from the plug, you've pulled the plug socket from the wall, for some reason, there's a few more seconds that the electric sign is still hanging in there before it shows a disconnect. As I saw that something interesting came upon me and I felt the Holy Spirit drop this in me, it reminded me that some of us are literally tapping and holding on to expired energy. What do I mean by expired energy? Energy that we believe we are connected to the source, but it's now time-bound. You see, when we remain connected to the vine, we are connected to the one that defined and created time. And therefore, we know we are fully connected to God, that no matter what season we find ourselves in, we understand that we are reconciled, redeemed, and we are in, in, a, in a full um, connection and relationship with God. But what happens to us, sometimes we get too familiar with God. And when we get too familiar with God, God's like, I don't want you to go that far. Remember, even just like a cable can only go so far. I don't want you to go that far, but it's now there's been a disconnect. But we still believe that there's a power source on there. And what happened to me as I was looking at that source, I was like, that's interesting how even though the plug is still there, there's an electric sign that lasts for maybe a, a second or two. And it reminded me of this scripture taken from 2 um, Peter, verse 3, 8 to, 8 to 10. And it tells me as follows, that but, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that the Lord, that, that with the Lord, one day is a thousand years and one year and a thousand years is one day. If one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day, what is one minute? What is one second? One second might be a particular season in our time. Which means you're still running and doing things thinking that, yeah, I've got grace. Yeah, I'm able to achieve this. And God is like, you've disconnected from the vine. You've disconnected from the source. You've lost your way. So you feel charged up. You feel that you're connected, but you don't realize that you're not plugged in to the source. And as I was thinking of that and reading that, I was like, Lord, please give us discernment. Give us humility to stay connected to you. Not seeking your hand, but seeking your heart. Not seeking your pleasures and your promises, but seeking the true purpose that you have for us as we find our peace in you. Because when we find our peace in God, Catalasso, we remember that an exchange is taking place. An exchange is taking place. And that exchange is taking place knowing that on this side of eternity might not be perfect. On this side of eternity, all the desires and the things that we really want might not come 
into our life. But guess what? There is a promise and that is an eternal promise. And that takes me to the last scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. And I'll never forget one of the first times I heard this and it was from my mentor about 10 years ago. And it goes as follows. But it is written, eyes have not seen, nor ear have heard, nor has even come into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. We love because he first loved us. But even when we hated him, he chose to redeem and reconcile us. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And when we understand that God has reconciled us, Catalasso, he has, he has he reconciled us back to him that there's been an exchange. He paid the greatest price that no deed that we have done for the world, no deed that we have done for our spouse, our wife, our husband, our children can ever, ever amount to the great exchange of what God has done for you. And that leads me to rename my sermon. That even calling this sermon the great exchange does an injustice to a just and holy loving God and therefore the sermon maybe should be retitled as the greatest exchange because as we are on this side of eternity you will never ever find a greater exchange a greater love a greater gift an unmeasurable amount of mercy and favour from a faithful God even when we were faithless that loves us cares for us, redeemed us, and reconciled us back to him. It was paid with the price of his son. And many people have failed in that act. Peter and the crowd of people said, no, he cut off a soldier's ear, like, yeah, I've done this. But when they said, are you his disciple? No, I denied him. See, many people in the crowd can be like, yeah, I'm for you, I'm for you, I'm for you. But in isolation or when alone, they can sometimes deny you. But even when Jesus was alone, he never denied you. He never denied you. He never left you. He never forsaken you. Hold on to Christ. He has reconciled you back to him because he is the greatest exchange, the greatest transaction known to man. Bitcoin might do something for your finances. Money might come in and make you happy. A new marriage or a new family and children might make you feel whole. But true wholeness doesn't come with what is added onto you. It comes from what lives with inside of you. He stands at the door and he knocks and he wants to make his temple, your heart, his home. The greatest exchange known to man. Written in history, which should humble us to hang on to him and say thank you for redeeming us. Bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you, O oh Lord. I thank you, O oh Lord, for your saving grace.